Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is Friday, Friday here on the Book of Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. It's good to have you here. It so happens to be sunny outside. You might be able to tell. It, it's kind of funny, actually, if you go back and look through the thumbnails of, of all of our broadcasts, you can tell the days where the lighting is suffering a little bit. And I've tried to kind of compensate for that with my lights here in my uh, office slash studio slash apartment. But um, today we actually have some sun. It's nice. And I'm looking forward to it more next week as well. Hope it's a little bit warm where you are. We're going to introduce our return guests here in just a second, but I want to encourage everybody listening in today before we get started, make sure to engage in the conversation, join in, ask questions, comment about your own experience, be part of the conversation. It's really one of the biggest benefits of these live streams, and I want you to take advantage of it, so don't be shy. And then for those of you who are listening to the audio version after the fact, again, follow us on Instagram, Boca Podcast. We announce on Monday, every single Monday, we announce the upcoming live streams uh, with a post. And then, of course, we update you with details regarding those upcoming live streams and our stories as well. So make sure you're following us on, on uh, Instagram, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, Boca Podcast on Instagram. And, uh, of course, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. And then lastly, before I bring our guest in, just a quick reminder, encouraging you to look for opportunities to give in your local community, international, national organizations. I made my donation to Charity Water today, as I promised I would do before every episode. And it's amazing. I know I've said this once or twice before, but $40 is what I donate each time. $40 provides clean drinking water for one of the 700 plus million people in the world that don't have easy access to that. So it's small steps, but it makes a big difference. And so if you look for opportunities like that, I think we should all look for opportunities like that. I would encourage you to do so. All right. I want to go ahead and, and bring our guest in. And here we go. I think I pushed the right button. There's Ashley Freehands here with me again. Ashley, thanks for coming back to, to hang out with me. We worked through a couple of tech glitches. I think we're good to go. You actually have some really nice audio too. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Yeah, no, I, I, and you know, I think we're going to actually, this is going to be a little bit of an unusual podcast because in most cases, when I bring a guest on, we have these introductory conversations and um, introductory questions, I should say. And that takes up about a half the show. Today, we're going to actually jump right into the topic because we actually had you on the show back in episode 508. I'm just double checking my notes here. But yeah, 508, not very long ago, actually. And we'll make sure to link to this show in the, uh, in the show notes, uh, episode 508. We'll link to it there. We talked about how to move from part-time to full-time. Super practical, actionable conversation for many photographers that might be listening in or watching. So um, you all check that out. If you didn't get to know Ashley in that first episode, make sure you go back to that. Ashley, before we keep going, I'm hearing a little bit of an echo of my voice. Um, I don't know if that's coming through your, your earbuds, maybe, if you could turn them down just a little bit on your computer. Are the earbuds plugged into your mic by any chance? They are, yep. I don't hear you echoing. Okay. I'm, I'm. Hopefully it's not coming through too loud. For those of you that are listening and are watching, if you hear it, just give us a heads up. Um, that's also, you can jump in in that conversation too, if you'd like. And we already have somebody chiming in from Atlanta, Kane's camera, uh, Atlanta-based photographer. Thanks for chiming in, saying hello. And those of you that are live streaming, there are a number of you already. Don't be shy. Jump in. Let us know who you are, where you're listening from, and uh, make sure to ask questions as we get into this topic. And uh, Ashley, and, oh, Allison already says, sounds good. So that's great. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for the, the confirmation there. <laughs> I appreciate that. And um, we have our producer at the Boca Podcast saying that it sounds good as well. Okay, cool. 
I, it, it's, you start to pay attention to these little details, Ashley, and sometimes I'm probably just reading into them too much. So I'm, I'm glad that we're good to go. <laughs> we're going to talk today about relationship marketing. And um, I, I think this is, I, I, love, I love that we're touching on a topic that is already very highly discussed and trying to take look at it from a little bit of a different angle. I think that's really important because a lot of times uh, you hear the same topics and points rehashed over and over and over again on podcasts and conferences and so forth. You've got a little bit of a different take on this idea. So leading up to the conversation today, you talked to me about how a lot of photographers discuss word of mouth referrals and relationship marketing. You said that it seems like the conversation is more kind of theoretical than practical based on some of the, the conversations that you've heard. And I'd love for you to start this conversation off with some of those anecdotal I guess, stories, experiences, just to give our listeners context, if you will. Yes, absolutely. So I hear from a lot of my own clients and just other photographers in general, when I ask them sort of this question of, so where do you get a lot of your referrals? And a lot of them respond and say, oh, word of mouth, like that's my number one referral source. And I'm like, great, that's awesome. What are you doing for marketing? And they kind of look at me or there's some, you know, silence and they're like, um, well, I'm on Instagram or I'm on Facebook. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Like what, what are you doing? And I ask them sort of what's their strategy behind being on social media. And about 80% of the time, they don't really have a strategy. They know uh, that they need to show up. Yeah. They know that they need to be there, but they don't really know why. And they don't know what to do. Okay. So th that's great context. And you know what, Ashley, I just realized I did a terrible job of introducing you because I want to give our context a little bit or our, our listeners a little bit more context about what experience you're speaking from. I'm actually going to pull up your website here really quickly. Uh, ThePurposeGathering.com. I just made the assumption that for those listening in, you either listen to that first episode 508 or you'd be getting to know Ashley by going back to listening to it. But a little bit of context, ThePurposeGathering.com, uh, business coaching and brand photography for mom talks. And you're doing a combination of the both. I actually have a question about kind of combining your brands that we'll come back to later on in the conversation. But for yes. those of you listening in and watching ThePurposeGathering.com and the same thing on Instagram, just to give you context here, Ashley is an experienced photographer and actually is in the in the uh, active effort of teaching photographers. And I just I had to lend that little bit of context to the conversation. Uh, we do yes, have a absolutely. number of photographers also chiming in. Allison saying she's in from Cincinnati and uh, Rakia is in from New York. And uh, I love this. Okay, y'all, I love that y'all are, are chiming and saying hello. Ellie is saying beautiful layout. Thanks, Ellie. Appreciate that. And uh, actually, probably the compliment is more to Ashley. Ashley, you've got this beautiful studio and background. I need to work on my background a little bit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's actually the first time I've recorded in here, so I hope it's not too echoey because it's, it's definitely great. the prettiest location in my home, but it's definitely not the most soundproof. <laughs> so trying to work on that. <laughs> you got the audio and the nice lighting and everything. It's good. Okay. So I, I want to bring us back then to the conversation. And, and I love the distinction that you made. A lot of photographers get business from word of mouth marketing referrals. The distinction that you're making is that these photographers who acknowledge the fact that they're already getting this business through referrals don't simultaneously have a strategy in place to continue to build on that concept. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly what I'm getting at. So not having the strategy, but also just feeling like sort of they're throwing spaghetti at the wall, right? They're just yeah. doing what they think they should be doing without actually knowing why they're doing it and also not really understanding the fact that if you're getting 
most of your referrals from word of mouth, how can you leverage that and really lean into that more as a marketing strategy instead of just posting and hoping people come? Um, I, we're going to get to this a little bit later too, but sort of, I feel like a lot of the photographers I talk to are in this feast or famine cycle where they're super busy one season and then it's crickets the next, right? Or you're getting a ton of inquiries one week and then why am I not getting inquiries for the next, you know, three weeks? And I think a lot of it really does come down to this relationship marketing aspect, making it a system that's in your business regularly, not just when you need it, but ongoing so that you are creating future business, maybe six, 12 months down the road. But it's really important to not let that slide and keep it a priority for, you know, the duration of your business. And, and Allison chimes in. She says, this is so me. And, and Allison, <laughs> I, I'm feeling your pain, too, uh, in some ways, because I know there have been stages in my business where um, you see the good happening, but you don't exactly know how it's happening. And to your point, Ashley, there's also no real strategy to continue that momentum. One of the things that we've noticed at Photographers Edit is that our actually over 50% now of our new accounts are coming in from photography or from photographer referrals. So those that know about us and or use us have told another photographer about us. And so that photographer comes to use Photographers Edit. And um, we've we've been aware of that for quite some time and we've done various things to build on that. We're actually kind of doubling down on the efforts this year, making even more of an effort to go where so much of the, the benefit is, which is these referrals and make sure that photographers are rewarded for those referrals. I think it's really important that we are not only aware, but then to your point, we actually put a strategy in place. I guess the question though, is what do you think the, the kind of mental block is that a lot of photographers have, which is keeping them from doing something about it. They know the benefit of referrals, but they're not actively putting any kind of a strategy in place. What is that about? I think a lot of it is distraction, right? We are just surrounded with so much information as business owners, as photographers, and it just always feels like there's so much to do. And then add on, you know, your personal life. And if you have kids and if you have a spouse to attend to, like there's just so many other things and you have to take care of yourself too. So I really think it comes down to prioritizing and just making it that priority. I know for me, this can definitely be one of those things that's the first to go, right? When we get overwhelmed and busy, we're doing all of the sort of client work. We're doing all of the sort of employee mindset tasks, if you will, those things that just, you know, keep our business running, but they're not really keeping our business running for the future. And so it's really taking the time to make sure this is a priority and this is the thing that doesn't slip and putting in a system for it to make it more manageable so that you're not feeling constantly like, oh shoot, I don't have clients for the next two months. What am I going to do? And you're always feeling like, you know, there's a fire lit and you're like, shoot, what am I going to do? You're stressed. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't flow. And it's not fun honestly, right? So (laughs) making that a priority, setting it up in your business so it just feels more natural Mm. and also just giving yourself the freedom to let some of that busy work go. That was really huge for me is knowing that, you know, it's important for, you know, photographers to show up on Instagram. In my opinion, it's important to stay relevant, to stay top of mind, but you don't have to post every single day to stay relevant. You don't have to post all the time. You don't have to 
you know, water down your posts just to get more. I feel like quality over quantity is so important. And just, again, giving yourself that permission to kind of rein in some of the other tasks so you have time for other, you know, more important things like relationship marketing. Well, yeah, and I'm really glad you bring this up, actually, because I think the way that you just broke it down in many ways better describes the, the, the kind of conundrum that photographers are in than, than I've done in the past here on the show. So much of the Boca podcast is about helping photographers build sustainable businesses. What does that mean? Well, a number of things, but one of those is building more efficient workflows so that we have the space, not only to spend with the, you know, the time to spend with the important people in our lives, but to do the very things that you're talking about, in this case, relationship marketing, to, to be in a position where you actually have the time, the freedom, the flexibility to actually look at something like, where am I getting my business? And what specific things can I do on an ongoing basis to encourage those, that source of business? And yet, to your point, most photographers function in this kind of haphazard way where they're just reacting to the next thing. There's an email, there's a text message, there's a social media notification. Oh, shoot, I need to post, you know, to your point, I need to post here. And oh, no, I need to go edit and do this. And I need to go build this album design. And they're just constantly kind of reacting to all the busy work that has to be done. And it really, exactly. it, it, they may be able to run a business that way, but it's going to be stressful. It's going to be extremely time consuming. And then it, it minimizes the ability to grow because you're constantly in reactive mode, you're not, you're not, you don't have the space to think big picture, to think proactively. So it, that is a conversation or 10 of them in of themselves. Like we could do a whole podcast series on that, but I'm glad that you highlight that you did a beautiful job of highlighting that. And it's good for everybody listening in and watching both. And we've, we've got a really great group on here today. I'm going to pull up a couple more comments here in just a second, but, um, make sure that you are intentionally creating more efficient systems, workflows, so that you have five, 10 hours of your work week to allocate at minimum to proactive work. That work that is gonna actually bring more business in and one of those things as you're gonna learn today is um, intentionally, strategically building on relationship marketing. Uh, Eric Franco is listening in from Ackworth, Georgia. Thanks Eric for chiming in and saying hello, really appreciate that. And then Ellie actually, Ashley brings up a question here that maybe we can kind of build into the conversation as we're going along. Maybe you have an initial thought. She says, moving to a new state and starting fresh, you can't count on that word of mouth. What would you do to redevelop in a new state in regards to marketing? And um, I, since we could go so many directions in, an, in answer to that question, maybe today we can kind of focus and you maybe build into the conversation efforts when it comes to relationship marketing that would be relevant to those that are kind of getting started in a fresh market as well. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So do you want me to answer that or just weave that in as we go? <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Give your initial impression and then, yeah, let's build on that as we go through the conversation. That would be great. Okay. So I definitely think this is a great question and this topic is really going to help because what I'm talking about here today really is capitalizing on word of mouth from complimentary vendors and also potential clients that either you seek out or that seek you out. So this really isn't talking so much about, you know, your past clients as word of mouth referral. So I think that you're in for a treat for this episode because yeah, that's kind of my angle where I was heading anyways. Um, but it definitely can feel a little bit nerve wracking walking into a new state, not knowing anybody. Um, but I think you're really going to learn a lot as we kind of unpack how to get in with complimentary vendors and seek out your own leads. Now, you kind of touched on this briefly already. I'll go ahead and ask what might seem like an obvious question to some, but just uh, for the sake of clarity, 
what is your concern? You know, even leading up to this conversation today, I could I could sense that you you're kind of to borrow a cliche word passionate about this topic. And, and I'm curious where that comes from. What are your concerns as it relates to the photography industry and this kind of lack of proactive effort to develop relationship marketing? Yes, absolutely. So I feel like I'm really passionate about this because it's been an area of struggle for me for so many years. So to give a little bit of background for those that might not know me. So I've been a photographer for over 10 years. Um, all of those years, I was doing it as a mom, a stay at home mom trying to build a business while raising kids, just feeling the tug and the pull constantly of trying to do both. And most recently decided to homeschool my kids. So now my kids, are at home with me 24 7 they're 7 and 10 now and so i've really had to like narrow in on what am i gonna do i have very limited time so i have to be super intentional and so over the past couple of years i've really been starting to hone in on the most important things in my business and let the other stuff go and it's really a beautiful thing um, when you're given less time you become more efficient with it in my opinion and so i I think what why I'm passionate about this is because a lot of photographers that come to me, my own clients, the ones that are in my program, they struggle with marketing. I feel like if you ask photographers, like, what's your number one struggle? They'll say, oh, just getting clients. Like, I just don't have enough clients. I feel like I'm super busy one week and then super slow the next. I can't find this consistency. I don't know what to focus on. Marketing is my weakest area. So I like to describe relationship marketing or just marketing in general as just more simply put. I feel like a lot of photographers think you have to have, you know, a degree in marketing to really know what to do. And I felt that way too. It's so overwhelming. But just simply put, marketing is making your service known. It's engaging with people about your service and then inviting them to come alongside and and hire you for that service. And so I think just thinking of it in a new perspective and just thinking of it as like marketing is really just making yourself visible. It's just letting people know who you are, what you do, who you serve and how you do it differently is so important. And without going down like a huge rabbit trail of why I think branding is so important to this marketing piece. I think a lot of photographers really miss the mark when it comes to standing out. And I ask photographers a lot, like, what do you do to stand out? And they're like, I, I don't know. And I tell them, I'm like, well, this is great news because I have the secret for how you can stand out. And it's you, you're the secret. And they're like, what? And I'm like, honestly, people stick around. They engage with a the business. They connect with a business because of who the business owner is, not necessarily because of what you do or offer. So I think that's really important when we're talking about relationship marketing is infusing yourself in your marketing and making sure that you're connecting with people outside of what you offer, because not everybody needs what you offer right then and there. So I'm very passionate about sort of making relationship marketing feel really simple, feel really doable, and also not feel so salesy, right? When you think of marketing, we all sort of think of that, you know, slimy salesman that we've all experienced. And that's sure. not what it has to be. No, but it, I, I want to park here for just a second, because you made an interesting distinction, actually, just kind of naturally through conversation. We talked when you were on the show before episode 508, for anybody who missed it, we talked about brand position. It's a, it's a question that I ask most of our guests that come on the show. What's, what is your brand position? Uh, which simply defined is what is your value proposition? And hopefully it's a, a unique value proposition. You alluded to that a second ago. 
you, you said that people stick around for the person. And I think for everybody listening in, I'd love your further thoughts on this, but for everybody listening in, I think it's important to make the distinction um, between, and not get rid of either here, brand position, a distinct brand position or a distinct value proposition. This is, and you said it earlier, the, the thing that I do and how I do it differently from any other photographers in my market. And then it's, it's not just that. We don't start and stop at brand position. Then it's also, as you're going to explain, building, strategically building relationships with people on an ongoing basis. Because, yeah, you may offer a service that's unique to somebody else, but they don't stay around for that because they may not always need that thing. It's a kind of a, at least two pieces of the puzzle anyway, a distinct brand position and then that relationship marketing. Do you have any additional thoughts on that or if you kind of already summed it up? Because it, you communicated it really beautifully. Awesome. Yes, thank you. So no, I do agree with you that there are the two different pieces to it, right? So you do have to come at business with a unique angle because photographers, I feel like, I mean, we're a dime a dozen, right? Which is great because honestly, there's so much need for photography. And, you know, my style of photography might not gel with, you know, a another person's, um, you know, need for photography. So that's what I love about it. So this saturation that I think a lot of people kind of get hung up with is that, oh, well, there's just not room for me or, oh, I'm just going to get lost. And it's like, no, there's so many photographers because there are so many people that need photographers and we can't all service everyone. So I think it is really important that you speak to that unique brand position of, you know, who do you specifically serve? And I feel like, you know, niching down is one of the, one of the easiest ways to kind of establish that brand position. Yeah. Yeah. So as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I specifically love working with mom photographers because because I get the balancing act of trying to be a mom and a business owner like simultaneously while my kids are literally running around in the background. And so I feel like I can offer just a different perspective than maybe someone who is a photographer and doesn't have kids. So I love that um, niching down and really getting specific to who you serve clear or um, opens up clarity for you as the owner, right? And who you're speaking to, because now you know exactly who your ideal client is. And that makes marketing just so much easier. That's, that's really good. I, I think, at least from my perspective, actually, I, I think that it's important to, to lead with that brand position, the distinct brand position. And again, you do it beautifully. In fact, I'll pull this up for anybody listening in. We do talk about, and if you're new to the show, we talk about brand position quite a bit here on the show. The significance of having a clear and distinct brand position statement that is, that is short, practical to the point. It talks about the service that you offer, how that service is different from the other photographers in your marketplace, and then potentially naming the market that you're serving. And you're, you're doing that here, actually business coaching and brand photography for mom togs. You, you speak about the services that you offer, the market that you're serving. And that's kind of your, your distinguishing factor here. You're specifically serving mom photographers and uh, I, you're leading with this brand position statement. I think the, the value in leading with the position statement and then working on an ongoing basis on the relationship marketing piece is that a lot of photographers got fixated, I think for a long time on the significance of their individuality or their persona, their personality, and that's what's gonna set them apart. And the, the problem is that if you go to, uh, excuse me, to photographers' websites, a lot of times they spend all this time talking about themselves, um, you know, mm -hmm. paragraphs of information about how they'd like to go drink coffee and watch Netflix with their boyfriend or, you know, and, and the list kind of goes on. A lot of cliches, frankly. And 
number one, I don't know how well I actually get to know somebody through just endless kind of talk about their day-to-day activities. But two, somebody comes to that website and they need in seconds a reason to stay. And you can't effectively get to know somebody or somebody's personality in seconds. So the value in that distinct brand position statement is that you're able to communicate immediately within literally two or three seconds if it's written well, the value prop- the unique value proposition you offer. And if that makes sense to them, they're like, oh my word, this is totally what I'm looking for. Now they're gonna keep scrolling. Now they're gonna keep spending time on that site. And then you have the opportunity to at least begin that relationship conversation and you can build on that in person on the phone on zoom etc as, as you go along so i think it's important for photographers to remember that yeah we're all unique butterflies <laughs> not being a little cynical or, or sarcastic but um but at the end of the day not every like not everybody has 15 minutes to spend reading paragraphs about you bring them hook them with that distinct mm-hmm. brand position statement, then you can build on the relationship later. I think it's important to make that, that distinction. Jason says, hi from California. Jason, thanks for mm-hmm. chiming in, listening in, and uh, also being a guest on the podcast recently as well. Shout out to Jason. Okay, so I wanna get back to the conversation then, Ashley. Let's talk first about the key relationships. When we think about relationship marketing for photographers, what are the key relationships that photographers should be thinking about? Absolutely. So I feel like there are two main categories, the first of which is going to be complementary vendors or maybe just complementary businesses in general to collaborate with and connect with, create that relationship with, and then also potential clients and leads that you seek out. So there's two different categories. But before we keep going, I did miss a point that I wanted to mention earlier was that relationship marketing, it's one of those strategies that's a long game. It's not something that you're gonna jump into and then see results tomorrow. I mean, maybe, that would be great. But just keep that in mind as you're thinking about implementing this strategy into your own business structure is knowing that these dividends are probably not going to pay off maybe for six to 12 months. And that's the whole point of relationship marketing is continually adding relationships, growing the depth of the relationships. So not really focusing so much on how many relationships, but how deep those relationships are going. So as we walk through the next few um, points here and steps that I'm going to give you, I really want you to just kind of keep that in mind that this is definitely not a short-term strategy. Yeah. Which by the way, I will add is probably the case for many things that we do in business, right? Thinking, being willing to think about the long game. I realized more and more the significance of that, even just in the last few months uh, in my company, we've been around for 14 years and it's still a kind of an adjustment to, to really truly think that way because I, I tend to want things right now. And I think a lot of us do, right? That's just yes, kind of a natural <laughs> tendency. Yeah. But the reality is that a successful business, a sustainable business, and one that's going to be around for a bit, we do have to be willing to play the long game and be patient with that and actually enjoy, again, as cliche as it sounds, enjoy the process or it's going to be easy to get frustrated, give up way too quickly. And then we miss out on the potential benefit of, of playing that long game. So I'm glad that you highlight that. But yeah, let's jump to, you mentioned, and I'm, I'm taking notes here for anybody listening in. If you're not taking notes, you should too. We're going to get into a lot of information here, but complimentary ven- venues or vendors um, mm-hmm. was the first relationship. And then the second one was kind of the, the target client base that, that we're trying to reach out to. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So go to town. Talk to us about each of these, these yes. um, relationships and, and how we go about developing them. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I am a very practical step-by-step kind of girl. Um, on my podcast, everything has like a system or a process or something to think about because that's just how my brain works. And I feel like for those listening, it just gives you a really um, solid foundation to follow along. So I have my own notes here as well. So I'm going to be uh, kind of referring to those to make sure that I stay on track. Um, but I feel like the first step to get really practical to begin this journey, like maybe you're like, okay, relationship marketing, we didn't really identify what that is. But you know, basically, hopefully you've caught on as we've been going that relationship marketing is really just making yourself visible through relationships through cultivating connection with people, not just putting out random posts and hoping people see and come running to hire you because you know, that's just not reality. Sometimes that happens. But most of the time, it's going to take a little bit of, you know, of a process for people to to hear about you, trust you, know you, and then actually want to hire you. So the very first step that I think to kind of just starting is to commit to this process, commit to making relationship marketing a priority in your business. And then you're going to want to set up a system that's going to allow you to sort of track like who you've already reached out to, to track where they are in the process. And when I talk about systems, creating any type of system. Quick, Ashley. Yeah. Before we keep going to that second point about systems, I want to come back to the Mm -hmm. commit to the process point, because for some listening in or watching, they might be like, well, yeah, obvious. Of course I need to commit to it. But I I think it's actually an important point. Um, And it kind of plays to what we were talking about, which is we have to realize that it takes a little bit of effort, time, Mm -hmm and strategy. We're, we're talking about all those things here today. And as a result, it takes a commitment. If you're going to actually make it happen, just posting a cute picture of yourself, you know, throwing your, your head back, laughing with a <laughs> cup of coffee in front of a win, beautiful window light and posting some you know quib about yourself, that doesn't build relationships. You may be putting a little bit of, of yourself out there, sharing a little bit about yourself. Um, but honestly, it's become so cliche and it, whether it's on a website or on social media to do that stuff. And that's not building relationships. That's just a social media post. What you're talking about is committing to a long-term game that actually takes some time and effort and a strategy. So I think that's a really important point. If nothing else, I just want to jump back yes. and highlight that before we get to the systems. Of course. Let's definitely yeah. jump into the systems though. Okay, cool. So when I talk about creating any type of system, basically what I want you guys to do is write down all the steps that it's going to take to do that specific system. So for this, in this case, I want you to think about, I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to go through all the steps, but go back and write down these steps. Um, cause I don't want to get ahead of myself, but put the steps down on paper and then figure out how you can make those check offable. Cause I think a lot of times we have these lofty goals like, Oh yeah, I'm going to work on, you know, relationship marketing, but we don't identify, we don't take a minute to actually think about, well, what does that mean? What does that require of me to create these relationships? And so these steps that I'm about to give you is really going to help outline that. But I just wanted to give you that in, um, in the future. So when you're thinking about, okay, everyone talks about systems, but how do I create a system? Basically it's writing down all the steps that it takes and then actually putting a due date for when you're going to do that thing, Mm -hmm. creating a um, time block in your schedule so that it, it becomes an appointment. So if you, you know, just 
magically want to do something, it's not going to happen, right? You have to schedule it in. You have to make that a priority. So step two, after you have committed to the process and you're going to create this into a system, I want you to brainstorm all the complimentary vendors that you can think of who would support your specific photography niche. So Mine used to be weddings, so I'm going to give you a wedding example, but now I am a brand photographer. So sort of be thinking about this as I am talking you through this. So let's say that you are a wedding photographer. I want you to think about the complimentary vendors that you could potentially reach out to. So for me, I was always thinking, what comes, you know, what does the bride do before she hires her photographer? So typically she's going to hire a wedding planner. If she's going to do that, that's going to be like number one. And then number two, she's going to choose her wedding venue. So I'm going to really want to get in with the venues that I want to work at. And I want to create relationships with those venues so that they refer their um, brides to me, right? So a a bride is typically going to go to her wedding planner or her venue first for referrals for photographers before she goes to her friends, in my opinion. So then you could also think of like dress shops. Brides always love to go look for dresses, um, typically before they hire their photographer. So always be thinking about, okay, who's my ideal client? And then where do they go before they come to me? Because that's kind of how you're going to want to um, position your referral chain. So let's give examples. Maybe you're a maternity or a newborn photographer. So who can you network with that might be able to refer you? So these are things like mom's groups, birth centers, maybe um, getting in touch with some local doulas, um, those type of things. So I always start local first before you go to like doctor's offices or, you know, um, things that might be like a little bit harder to get in with. Go with local vendors first. Brand photographers can partner with local website designers. I get a lot of referrals from web designers because they need really pretty photos before they launch a beautiful new website. Also local meet like a business meetup organizations or groups like that. I want to go, you know, offer value to their um, audience and then hopefully be able to network with the people there about what I can offer for them. So that's just kind of a brief overview of maybe some ideas of where you can look for those complimentary vendors. That's great. I, that, that's so good. Um, and I mean, kind of multiple directions. I, I don't want to take away from you just communicating this also brilliantly and practically. Um, I could kind of go different directions based on what you're saying. I know personally as a wedding photographer myself for about 10 years, the the significance of relationships, particularly with the local wedding coordinator, was just amazing. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of dollars that we got from the relationship, but that wasn't the only relationship. We had relationships with, with florists. Um, there was one local florist who also had a gift shop, and we worked with her to provide gifts to our clients that we would book. Um, and then my business partner at the time ended up photographing her family. So there are all these, you, know, you develop these, these kind of working relationships. There's an opportunity to develop genuine personal relationships as well, which is really great. But I yeah, can't stress it enough. But I, I love the idea, whether it's when it comes to actually com- brainstorming the complimentary vendors that you were talking about, or even creating a system and thinking about all the steps, taking the time to actually sit down and list those things out. I know some listening in and watching may be the list type people, and that's, that's awesome. I'm actually a super organized person, but when it comes to actually planning for something, for example, we're getting ready to launch a, a new brand this year, and 
I, I took the time recently to, to list out all the steps for that launch process. That's not something that comes naturally for me, but I'm being way more intentional about this strategic approach to running a business. I think it's so important that we make the time. It may seem nerdy and time consuming to some, but actually thinking through all those steps then enables us to have much more clarity as we go forward, whether it is the actual steps in the system itself um, or it is the vendors that we need to actively think about connecting with. I think that's great recommendations. And just hearing you talk about that, Nathan, reminds me of something that's really important to me. And I know this is important to you as well. And I think this is just a phenomenon that's like catching on everywhere is really prioritizing the time to do higher level CEO work in your business. So we kind of alluded to that earlier in the conversation where we were talking about, you know, those employee tasks, you know, when you work for an employer, you are the employee and they're like, here's your list of things to do, do it. But as the CEO of your business as well, you have to be able to set aside the time to do these systems, to think about the you know future and those um, bigger picture items. And you can't do that if you're always stuck head down working on the things you know in your business. So I think that's really important to note. So making sure that every single week you're setting aside a you know two to four hour time block where that's all you're focused on. And that might feel really hard for you. You might be like, wow, well, if I had an extra two to four hours, that sounds great, but you have to make the time for it and it should be a priority in your business. So I think that's really important to note. Okay, so moving on. So we've got the brainstorm list. And one other thing that kind of I thought about as you were talking, Nathan, is we don't always have the best ideas, right? We think we're like, oh, we're so awesome. And maybe you don't. <laughs> maybe you're like, I'm not awesome. I can't do this. Maybe you have some self-confidence issues. Oh, I realize right? all that's the time a, how I fall short. That's a whole other yeah. topic. <laughs> so if you are feeling like, wow, I can't even think of one complimentary vendor, reach out to a trusted friend, ask for other people's opinions, right? Just like a quick little um, paragraph that you can shoot out to some friends on Facebook or Instagram and just say, hey, you know, I'm a brand photographer and I'm looking for some ways to network with other vendors. Do you have anyone in mind that would be someone I could connect with? Because I'm telling you what, if you ask people for their opinion, they're gonna give you ideas that you never even thought of. You're gonna be like, whoa, that's a great idea. Where have I been? And it's because you're so into your business that it's really hard sometimes to step out and see an outsider's perspective. So feel free to ask other people to help you with this brainstorm list. So I wanted to add that before we move on. Sounds good. Okay. Before I actually keep going, Ashley, to that yeah. fourth point, um, Eric just chimed in. He said, I use Notion as a way to schedule and break down my task on a daily basis. And I appreciate you sharing that. I love it. Eric, I, I'm a total task and project management system nerd, and I don't think I've heard of Notion before. So I love that we've got another option in the mix. Or in the mix. Um, currently, yes. in my own personal life and, and work schedule, I, I just use the Reminders app built into iOS and my Mac. Uh, previously, I've used Todoist and Things, and the list goes on. I mean, there are so many different options out there, but just having a system that we can put those to-do um, lists in, I think it's super important. For so sure. that's that's great. I appreciate you sharing that, Eric. All right, Ashley, go to town. Your turn again. Yes. <laughs> and I use Trello just for anyone else who's yeah. like, oh, I want another one. So that's, that's how I stay organized for sure. Yeah. Okay, so I, don't, um, I think this is step three. I wrote it down as step three, maybe... Um, 
I, I got confused here. But anyway, step three is going to be now that you have this brainstorm list, you're going to connect and engage with a few people on this list. And again, remember, this list is going to be big and extensive, but that doesn't mean that you reach out to all of them at once because that's overwhelming, right? So you really want to focus on, you know, maybe two to three at a time and developing that relationship. Maybe you could send out like, you know, five of these sort of getting to know you messages and then just kind of see who responds. But you really want to go deep with these relationships. Um, you want to create a long term relationship. So not just like a surface level relationship. So to start, you are going to connect and lead with service. So when you are reaching out to these people, please do not reach out with a pitch first. Um, I have been on the receiving end of that multiple times and it doesn't feel great. It doesn't mean it doesn't work, but it just it initially doesn't feel great to get a message that's leading with an ask before they've even, you know, gotten to know you or asked any questions. Yeah. This so I would say a, a good bit. We oh, get these emails and they're yes. like, Hey, we have this, the system or we have this educational course and we have this thing that we want to talk about on your podcast. And, and it does, like you said, it feels, it feels kind of gross. Number one. Yeah. And two, there's very little to no conversation about how they're going to first add value to the audience who's going to be listening in. It's just a commercial pitch. And that's exactly. just not the way to make a good connection. <laughs> yes. I 100% agree. I probably get about three pitches every single week that are just people saying, I would love to be on your podcast. And I'm like, okay, how about I love your podcast. I enjoy this part about your podcast. I love the funny stories that you share on Instagram. I'm following you on Instagram. I've talked to you on Instagram. Like, how about you lead with a, you know, connection and in an actual relationship before you just pitch yourself because honestly nine times out of ten those pitches they get a you know canned response that says thank you so much not interested because if you don't take the time to get to know me first like i really do not want to start out our relationship like that so that is a a tip for all of you who are podcast pitching or just pitching in general lead with service lead with compliments those are really nice when i get a, a message that has a compliment in it i'm like oh you made my day thank you like that is a much um better conversation than just pitching so also lead with curiosity ask questions get to know the person ask them about their business um just really lead with a authentic heart first um without any kind of intention really to pitch yourself i mean obviously that is what relationship marketing is we want to have a mutual beneficial um, relationship so also think about that when you are reaching out to a complimentary vendor, if you don't think you can offer anything in return to that vendor, then you might want to really rethink your position there. um, Because you don't want to come off as feeling like I'm just asking and I'm not going to give you anything in return. So I think that's really, um, really important. Do you have anything to add to that, Nathan? No, I was I was making notes as you were talking here, leading with service and curiosity. And and um, I value is is the biggest thing for me how do i lead with value and i've talked about this in the podcast before but if if i'm going to reach out to when i think about as a wedding photographer building a business if if i'm going to reach out to a vendor the thing that i'm going to lead with is hey i'd really i'm going to be honest with them first because i don't i don't like this kind of fake fake sense of desire for connection when we all know where the conversation's going so Mm -hmm. to lead with when we talk about authenticity authenticity a a component of true authenticity is is honesty 
right? So right. if I lead with, hey, I'd really love the opportunity to work with you, um, and but, it, but it's super important to me that I'm adding value to this relationship. I would love to do headshots. I'm talking to a coordinator, for example. I'd love to do some headshots yeah. for that new website that you said you're, you're going to be launching here in the next couple of months. Is that something you'd be interested in? Or I'd love to be able to do some portraits for your family. You've got an absolutely beautiful family. I saw the picture the other day on Instagram. would love to do some, some portraits uh, for your family. And then there's opportunity to spend some time adding value to their lives and not just value that we've made up, but that something that's actually valuable to them or to their business. And, and then there's opportunity to build a working relationship down the road, but leading with that value, I think is really important too. Yeah, no, I love that you add that for sure. And I'm definitely not one for fake authenticity either. <laughs> like I want to, um, eventually like, but that is really, so how I lead is I do exactly what I just said is just really get to know them and connect with them on a deeper level because I really do love the friendship aspect. Um, I love business, um, but I also love the relationship part. And so truly I am not reaching out to people just that can help me. Like I'm really reaching out to people that I want to be friends with in real life. And so I think I that's think important too. used to that though. I, and I think, yeah. and, and I've tried to, to kind of steer conversations around relationships here on the podcast in the direction of how can we actually come across real? Like when we're talking about interacting with clients, for example, on a photo shoot and you're wanting to pull emotion from these people who are uncomfortable in front of the camera, don't even know you that well. How do mm -hmm. you, how do you get that real emotion? It doesn't come from some fake effort at a relationship. It comes from a genuine desire to connect with this person, genuine curiosity. Use that word earlier. I think it's a really important word in life in general, certainly in business. Are you actually curious? And that curiosity will drive good questions. And now you're actually getting to know somebody. I think about networking meetings and they, they gross me out to no end these interactions that are so fake. It's not, it's not fake authenticity. Authenticity isn't, can't be fake. It's either authentic or it's fake, right? It's one or the other. Mm -hmm. And it's very right. obvious when, when somebody is talking to you and there is no genuine desire to actually connect with you as a human being, they're doing mm -hmm. a robotic thing, which is to hand you a business card, talk about their business and would love the opportunity to do coffee with you sometime. It, it all feels just so contrived and people can read that stuff. And so the idea that we continue to behave in that way and expect people to, for it to go over their heads or to overlook it, I think is ridiculous in 2022. We're all highly aware of what's going on. So leading with a genuine interest and a genuine curiosity in whatever relationship I think is so important. And if that doesn't come natural for people, Ashley, maybe you can comment on this briefly. A lot of, a lot of people listening in, in fact, right the second, they, they may be like, Ashley, these are really great concepts, but I'm a quote unquote introvert. And, and mm -hmm. that's a conversation for another time. I, I think in many cases, there are some misnomers associated with that concept or that idea, but they're just put it simply uncomfortable talking to people that they don't know. And so yep. it's not, it doesn't come naturally for them to, to be curious and for that to lead to interesting conversation via interesting questions, getting to know that person, truly getting to know that person. Do you have any mm -hmm. recommendations um, to kind of get over that little hump of so-called introversion? Yeah, so that's a great point. You actually brought up a lot of things that kind of like stirred up new things in my mind that I was like, yes, I haven't like thought to talk about that. But going back before we get to the introvert part, you had talked about like how to make your clients feel comfortable when maybe you don't really know them that well. Yeah. And that reminds me. So when I was focusing more on wedding photography, my brand position was really, you know, I take the time to get to know each of my clients and I call out those fake smiles. So like, I want to know which one of my clients 
smiles is their real smile. And the only way to do that is actually to meet them in person before they hire me. And I know a lot of wedding photographers do this, but it's actually like pretty crazy how many people I've talked to that never met their photographer before the day of their wedding, or maybe the day of their engagement session. And I just think it's so important, especially when you are photographing someone that is so personal, um, is, is building in time in your session to just get to know them. So before you put a camera in front of their face, even if you just show up 15 minutes before your session and just get to know them, especially with kids, like if you want kids to be, you know, their silly, normal self, they've got to feel comfortable in front of you. And so I think it's important to just talk to them, put your camera away, like don't even start shooting yet and just ask them about their day. Like, how was your day? How was it getting here? You know, give them some time to kind of settle in and ease in. And then always when I started my session, it was never with them looking at the camera because that feels super intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so it's always just leading with, okay, I'm going to get my lighting really quick. And I just want you guys to walk right? Or I just want you to stand there and hold hands and like sway back and forth. And just giving them movement in the photos helps them naturally feel comfortable putting on music, joking around, um, and then going back to the introvert part. So I'm actually married to an introvert, like probably the most introverted person that you could imagine. And I think the number one thing that I could really share with you guys who are introverts and feel like it's just super off, you know, awkward and uncomfortable is you have to practice practice in front of the mirror, practice with your spouse, practice with anybody who will listen to you and and start with that curiosity. The reason you don't know someone is because you haven't asked any questions to get to know them. So just start by asking questions. I feel like that's the most natural and easiest way to get to know somebody. And there's going to be awkward silence and it is going to feel weird and uncomfortable, but you don't get better at anything if you don't practice. And so I think that's just really important is just knowing that expect the uncomfortableness, but also just have, you know, some questions in mind that you can ask to get to know people. Yeah, that's, that's good. That, the curiosity will drive that. Um, I think a lot of, I'll speak from personal experience. So I categorized myself as an introvert, certainly for many years in that, um, when I would go to, especially photography get togethers, whether it was just literally that get togethers or workshops or conferences or massive conferences like WPPI back in the day, and I, I was I was exhausted going into these rooms of photographers and it was loud and there's music and it, you know, it's a party going on and, and I was uncomfortable in that scenario. And for whatever reason, I don't remember what kind of led to this realization, but for whatever reason, it finally hit me. I'm like, you know, I, I wanted to take a step back and try to figure out why this was so exhausting for me. It didn't really make sense. And a lot of I think a lot of people, photographers or otherwise, stop at the place where they're like, oh, I'm so exhausted being in groups of people. What does that mean? Google search. Oh, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. And then that's where it stops. There's no, oh, it's just I am fill in the blank. And that's mm -hmm. that's where it stops. And there's this kind of assumption that I am just this person and that can't change. But I actually took the time to take a step back and look at why, like what was the what was at the root of these feelings that I was having and what could I do to kind of change that? Because, by the way, as human beings, we have the ability to make those choices and changes. So. I did that and what I realized is I was when I was going into these groups of people I was trying to essentially I was trying to be something I wasn't I was trying to be super cool in this hip environment and this group of people and they're drinking and talking and music's going on and I was trying to to be um, be something that what that didn't come as naturally for me in that environment uh, I was trying to look cool I was trying to sound cool rather than engaging with people the way that I knew how to 
the moment that I switched from trying to be something else and focus on what I was really good at was, which was individual convert in-depth conversation, asking deep questions. People aren't used to that. And it creates these really interesting conversations. And I focused on that. It was amazing, literally to the extent that like music kind of died off in the background. I was no longer overwhelming me in my ears. I wasn't trying to yell and, you know, scream over the top of all the stuff that was going on. I was totally engaged with this person here, but I didn't get to that place without taking a step back and kind of thinking about a little bit about what, what does it mean that I'm introvert? Why am I shy? Why am I scared? What are my apprehensions? What am I judging about other people? By the way, ego plays a lot, a, a massive role actually in this conversation of introversion, whether it's judgment of others, judgment ourselves, or judgment of, you know, both, combination of the, the above. Um, so what am I judging about somebody else? What am I judging about myself that's leading to this? Have these conversations really important because I think it will help those of you listening in to kind of shift a little bit from this assumption that we are just simply introverts and that's where the conversation ends. Because frankly, to be a really great photographer, we need to be able to step beyond that. We're, we're engaging with people to photograph people. We're working with vendors who are people. And this notion that we're introverts and we're simultaneously gonna build a, a really powerful business don't naturally go hand in hand. We need to be able to step beyond that. So I think it's, I just want to encourage everybody listening in. Don't just assume that you are this label. You can step beyond that if you're willing to take the time, make the effort to, to do so. I love that you bring that up, Nathan, because I do feel like it's very easy for people to use that as an excuse for why they don't go to networking events. Oh, I'm just introverted. It feels really awkward mm -hmm. to me. And of course it does because it doesn't come naturally to you. Sure. But also I'm an extrovert and it still feels really awkward. It, it like doesn't get easier in the sense that it doesn't feel awkward. Like it still sure. feels weird. Yeah. And I still have to just like take that leap and understand that everybody else that's at this networking event is, is feeling the same pressure. Like they're feeling the same awkwardness unless they came with a group of people, which people do, you know, but I just wanted to give you one real practical way to um, sort of like edge yourself into a conversation. Cause sometimes you go to these networking events alone and everybody's in their own little group and you're like, well, shoot, I'm on the outside. So just one real practical thing you can do is I just walk up to groups and I say, Hey, do you mind if I join your conversation? And I have never once had anybody tell me no like ever. And normally I'm just in there and I'm listening and I'm like, okay, cool. And then they all stop and they're like, so who are you? What do you do? You know? And so it's just taking that like leap of faith, knowing that it feels uncomfortable and awkward, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Sometimes you just got to do, we, we have like, we are in this luxurious place in first world America or, or other, other first world countries where we can sit around and think and analyze and overthink and overanalyze and obsess over our feelings and it gets in the way of so much. Sometimes we just have to do the thing. And exactly. um, it's amazing what's on the other side of that. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay, so I, I, was, um, I was, as I was taking notes here, uh, old school style in my notebook here, connecting with those on the vendor list. We were talking about leading with service, leading with curiosity. What's kind of the next yep. step in this process? Yes. Yeah, so next step, step four is once you've established a relationship with them, then go ahead and present that idea of collaboration. And I maybe, maybe our opinions differ here, Nathan, but I feel like I want to see if they're open to collaboration first and hear what their ideas might be. So as you know, we've been talking for a little bit, so now they know what I do. I know what they do. We kind of know a little bit of personal stuff because I really want to connect with people, like I said, on a deeper level. So it's not just business for me. When I approach this, I'm looking for a friend. I'm looking for someone that is a long-term, um, 
collaboration with. Again, that's two-sided, not just me getting stuff out of it. Um, and so I will present an idea and just be like, hey, I would love to collaborate together. You know, I have some ideas, but I would love to hear if you have any ideas. Because if you go ahead and present your ideas first, sometimes it kind of closes off their creativity of what kind of collaboration they might have kind of been thinking of. Mm. Because let's be honest, when you're reaching out to another business, they're kind of thinking about collaboration as well, because all of of us as business owners want to grow our business. And so I always listen for their collaboration ideas because often when I do that, they have, like I said, ideas I never even thought of. And then I'll present my ideas too and then be like, hey, this is kind of what I was thinking. So I wanted to like share that um, tip first. But here are some things that I have done in the past which have been really awesome. So I have offered to bring coffee and to, so let me just kind of like share with you how the pitch would go. So I would say something like, I have so enjoyed getting to know um, you and your business. I would love to grab a coffee for you, bring it over so we can actually meet in person and chat about how we can make our experience for our brides even better. Would that be okay with you? Or are you interested in that? I've never had anyone say no to a free coffee. (laughs) I'll bring them a coffee to their place, um, wherever they're working that day. And literally we talk about just business in general, and again, how we can make that experience better for our brides. And so that leads to incredible um, conversation. I have gotten on people's um, preferred vendor list this way. They um, Now that they have an actual person that they know, they refer me way more than the people who just you know dropped them an email and was like, hey, can I get on your vendor list kind of thing. So I feel like that real connection is really important. Um, also, you could do a like co-working thing. So this I did with actually someone that I met in person. I got to meet a wedding photographer that we just really hit it off and got her contact information, which again is like random and weird, but it was just more so like, oh, hey, are you on Instagram? Let me follow you. That sounds so much better than like, can I have your number? Like that just feels weird. So I asked for her Instagram. We kind of chatted through Instagram, became closer on Instagram, and then we decided to go out to dinner one night just to, you know, reconnect. Well, then we became super close and we started doing like co-working together. So we would go grab dinner once a month and we would bounce ideas off of each other. So she's a wedding planner. I'm a wedding photographer, right? So we have the same um, ideal target audience. We both were in the high-end wedding industry. And so it was really fun. So you can create even a deeper relationship with these people and do co-working sessions with them. And again, this led to another thing that I'm talking about. We didn't actually end up doing this, but this was an idea that we had was to do an in-person event for, um, brides, engaged brides, and bring on some different like panelists of people that could talk about, you know, what should you look for when you hire a photographer? Not pitching myself, you know, of course they know I'm a photographer because that's how I introduce myself, but really we're leading with that service. So we're going to both pool, you know, our, um, resources and invite all of the potential brides that we know. And we were going to reach out and make this kind of a big free, free workshop. But basically that would be a really good networking opportunity for us to get in front of all of these potential brides. So that's a really great idea. The other thing too, is this is, I feel like cliche, but I'm going to say it anyways, but doing an Instagram live 
I feel like they are not dead. <laughs> I thought for a while that maybe they were, but Instagram Lives are really cool. I know that Instagram has come out with like that collaboration um, option now, so you can both post it to your stories now instead of it just being on one person's and then you having to share it. So these are just a few ideas, but I know, Nathan, that maybe you have another couple of ideas or some people in the chat probably have ideas of how to collaborate, but these are just a few things to kind of get you started. No, I, I, I'm not going to even try to add to that. I think it's a great introductory <laughs> conversation about how to even get started in this process. And, and I think you made the point kind of at the very beginning of that, which was you got to have the conversations. Ideas come from conversations. We tend exactly. to exist in this world on our own as photographers. And it, when we exist in our own world with kind of our blinders on and the assumptions that we make and everything else, it, it's very easy to get stuck and to limit ourselves as far as how we approach business. The moment that we have the opportunity to sit down with another person or a group of people and have conversation and brainstorm together, it's amazing what can come from that. I, I just so look forward to conversations with my team on different levels, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or as a group, because of what can come from those conversations. I love getting feedback and thoughts and ideas, and ultimately it just makes us that much better for it. So. Um, I, I know that here, and I don't know if you experience this actually, here in um, the Chattanooga market, I'm not going to call it any individual photographers, but there was this weird apprehension, uh, even pre-COVID, to get together in person, to make the effort to drive, you know, literally 10, 15, 20 minutes across town to get to a coffee shop or to a restaurant to sit down and just have conversation, just connect with other people. And I don't know if it was just simply laziness or a combination of laziness and the introversion conversation or there's something else going on because it's not like these photographers, most of them anyway, are shooting, you know, they have 50 sessions every week or they're shooting 20 weddings each week. It's not that they're actually that busy, but there was, it seemed like there was always these excuses to not actually get out and connect. And the reality is on the other side of this connection are ideas and ultimately business. And if we don't prioritize that, again, we may be able to run a business, but we're limiting in ourselves. And I think it's really great that you're highlighting the importance of this. I think based on our conversation before, you've got one more kind of key idea or step here that photographers could, should consider as we're closing. But what is that? Yes. Yes. One quick thing I want to add that you just reminded me of oh, is sure. complimentary vendors also could should let me let me back that up should include other photographers and i don't know how i completely missed that but why that's so important is because you will be booked on a day when you can refer out to another friend also if you start networking with other photographers who have different niches than you Again, when you get that inquiry for maternity and you do brand photography like me, you are going to know exactly who to send them to. So including other photographers on that list is so key. And I can't believe I forgot that. So I wanted to throw that in there. That's great. Okay. So the last thing that I wanted to really touch on here was using relationship marketing with potential clients. So I'm gonna talk about three different uh, ways right here. And the first one is your hot leads. So these are gonna be actual people who have reached out to you and expressed interest in hiring you. You're gonna, you probably already have a way to track this. If you don't, you're gonna want a way to track these leads. Um, I use HoneyBook for my invoicing and my contracting, but I actually don't use that for my leads. I don't know why, I just have my own um, spreadsheet that I use for my leads and I like that better. Um, so definitely keep in touch with those hot leads. And 
emailing them, um, following up with them, but also just engaging with them on Instagram with real authentic comments to their stories, comments to their posts, um, you know, just a, hey, how are you thinking about you kind of thing. I have this really great blog post that I thought you might be interested in reaching out, just keeping in touch and keeping your name top of mind is so important. So following up with those hot leads, I think a lot of times we get those leads and we forget about them because we're busy. Um, but if you keep track of them, that is key because if you just send out an inquiry or a, I'm sorry, a proposal for a client and then you forget about them, they might get another person right? Who sends them a proposal, but they are more um, proactive about following up. And so maybe they choose that photographer. So it's really important that you stay top of mind with those hot leads. Secondly, these are going to be engaged followers, and this is going to take a little bit of time on your part, which is why you have to make this a priority. This has to be a time block in your schedule where you are focused on this relationship marketing piece, giving yourself the time to actually sit down. Maybe it's 10 minutes a day where you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to go through my engaged followers and I'm going to engage back. So an engaged follower is someone who is viewing your story. So yes, you're going to have to go in and look at the activity and see who's viewing your stories. Go into each of their profiles. Um, again, authentically find those posts that are interesting to you. Comment on them. Comment on their stories. You'll get in their DMs that way. And then you'll be more top of mind. So um, even if they are commenting or liking any of your post content, also reach out in that way. So again, you're going to need a way to track this. So use a spreadsheet of their Instagram handles. I know this sounds super tedious and you guys are like, I don't have time for this. This is how you create future sustainability in your business is keeping your communication with these potential clients. They are clearly interested in your content. So instead of trying to post to the masses and get all these new people, right? These new likes, these new follows, focus on the people who are already there, the exactly. people who are already liking, the people who are already engaging and go deeper with each of those people. They might never hire you, right? But they might know somebody who does need to hire you in the future and you want to be the first person that they think of. So engaged followers is very important. Now this next one, this one takes, I think, the longest, but this is something like if we're going to go back to um, the girl who had originally asked, who was like, hey, I'm in a new state. I don't really know anybody. So you're going to be wanting to search for leads. And this could be hard depending on what your um, specific niche is. So for me, it's fairly easy because I'm looking for other business owners. So other business owners on Instagram are using tons of local hashtags, right? So I can look up, you know, Arizona. Arizona real estate agent, Arizona um, photographer, Arizona hairstylist, whatever. So I can really pinpoint who I want to work with and engage with them that way. If you have a niche where you're like, well, I can't really find, you know, there's no like hashtag Arizona potential bride, right? Or there's no Arizona hashtag new mom. Um, you know, there might be, but you know what I mean? It's harder to find those people. So my recommendation for that is to follow other people who are similar to you and follow those people. So go and see who, like local businesses and start engaging with people. Again, this is not just 
everybody and anybody. It's actually people who you would want to work with, people who look interesting to you. Definitely go and check out their profiles, right? You're going to be doing a little bit of spying on them. But I think this is important because if you need leads, it's important to create those relationships. And again, you're going to reach out authentically into their stories, comments, um, making sure that you are leading with that curiosity, that connection, and just really getting to know who they are. I don't think I would ever like pitch myself like, oh, in case you need a photographer, that feels like slimy to me because they already know they can go and peek at your own profile and see that you're a photographer, but really just be authentic, engage with them and get to know who they are. And again, this word of mouth is going to spread so much faster. So I heard a quote once that you may have heard before too, but it says that business grows at the speed of relationships. So the more people that you can make aware of your business, the faster your business is going to grow, especially if you are that authentic person who people can look back at and say, you know what, there was that photographer who reached out to me and she really cared or he really cared. Maybe you should check out this girl. So hopefully that helps you guys. Oh, it's super helpful. I mean, this is all one of the things, first of all, Ashley, you're, you're a great teacher. Um, you, you almost said it earlier, like it was a detriment, but you were talking about how you're a list person and you're practical and you step by step. We need way more of that in our photography industry. Mm-hmm. I've, I've tried to do that here on the podcast, um, it, to focus on practical, actionable content versus just doing what most of the other podcasts do, which just kind of repeat celebrity host, you know, guests, like everybody's having the same guests on all the podcasts and all the conferences. We're focused on practical, actionable content. And you've just done that really, really well today. Um, so I have to give you major props for that. And I know this is a, a, a bigger conversation ultimately that may ask for or may beg additional coaching, um, whether it's this or, or other elements of running a photography business. I know that you offer coaching. You haven't asked me to do this, but I just want to it, give you an opportunity just to briefly share with our listeners and viewers how they can reach out to you, what type of coaching that you do offer to photographers who might want that. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's funny because I have my degree in education and I always joke that I never ended up using it, but it's like, no, I clearly am using it. It's just not in the way I thought I was going to use it. I thought I was going to be an elementary school teacher and now I teach adults. So it's really cool. But thank you so much for that compliment. Um, So I offer a group coaching program and it is specifically for mom photographers. But honestly, I have non-moms that are in the program who just really need the accountability as well. And really the the mom photographer aspect, there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, mom content in the program. It's mostly just that I can totally relate to those moms. So the, the, the people in the, maybe in the, that join the program that want to be moms, it's still super relevant. So I talk about basically how to turn your passion project into a legitimate sustainable business. So not just, you know, posting the things here and there, I give systems and strategies for every step of the way and really how to make it super actionable. And then I do offer one-on-one coaching for maybe those people who, you know, are not moms yet and they just really need more specific help or in a certain area. So thank you so much for sharing about that, Nathan. Oh, of course. Yeah. Glad to. And thanks for giving those details. And as you were talking, I was popping this up on screen, but for those of you Mm -hmm. that are just listening it's the purposegathering.com and uh then also of course the purpose gathering on instagram and i want to give a shout out to everybody who listened in and chimed in today i love the engagement it's so fun and paula actually commented earlier when we were talking about introversion paula said i'm an introvert so that is totally relatable of course we were talking about what it's like to be an introvert but i've realized the only way to capture the connection between couples and families is to get to know them practice really does make a difference 
Um, and absolutely, that's true. And, and again, I want to encourage everybody listening in, don't get fixated on, on labels. It's easy to go to labels because it's safe and it helps us make sense of things. But these mm -hmm. labels only represent behavioral patterns. Behavioral patterns can be changed if we're willing to put the time and effort and energy into that. Uh, and I just want to kind of leave all of our listeners with, with that note. Thanks again, Ashley, for making time to come hang out with us today and, and seriously just bringing like a lot of practical, actionable information. I think it's super helpful for everybody listening in. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me again. Y'all have a great day, great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.